Last week we talked about long-suffering uh, in the light of God's sovereignty. And we talked about how uh, when Moses and Aaron went back to Egypt and they were obedient to God's word and they, they proclaimed to Pharaoh what God told them to proclaim, that things got a lot tougher um, before they got better. And uh, that led us to a discussion on, on long-suffering in the light of God's sovereignty. And uh, today we're going to pick up at the end of uh, that story, and uh, we're going to talk about prayer today. So uh, Exodus chapter 5, verse 22, uh, all the way through Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, says this, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land that is the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out, of, out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses sp spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. As I said, our passage today leads us to a great discussion about prayer. Um, here in our story, the Israelites are, are finally told that they have an answer. In fact, they were told several chapters ago that they were going to be delivered from Egyptian slavery, Egyptian oppression. And we see initially that they were very happy about that. They were excited about that and they responded in worship to God. That was when they first heard the news. And then things got tough. And in response to things getting tough, uh, they, they became defeated. Uh, the scripture says that they were defeated by a broken spirit. When I hear that phrase, a broken spirit, when I hear those words, um, it, makes, it makes me think of us. You see, because like the Israelites, you and I, 
we struggle from a broken spirit from time to time. Things are hard and they're hard for a long time. And at one point or another, we're just tired of, of trying. We grow tired of believing. We just grow tired. And I don't know where you are in your prayer life, but there's one thing I do know, because everyone I talk to agrees with this. You're not where you want to be. Every Christian I talk to has wishes that he had more faith, wishes that he had more trust in the Lord, wishes that he prayed more. These are all things that we are growing in, and, and this, this, this is an area in our lives where we are being sanctified. I'm reminded of what James says about prayer in his epistle. He says, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's James chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. You see, when I read that verse... I can relate to it because too many times I believe that we are like that when it comes to our prayer life. And as we see the Israelites in this passage, we can see them like the waves of the sea to and fro, never stable, never sturdy, but just tossed back and forth in faith. So the question is this, how can we get from under that and how can we have assurance in our prayer life? Like everything else, it points back to God. You see, we must pray with faith, knowing that our Heavenly Father, who is sovereign, who is holy, and who is faithful, will answer us. That is, that is how we fix it. We, just know, we must know who He is. He is sovereign, holy, and faithful. Once we know who He is, then we know He will answer us, and He will answer us the best way possible. The sermon summary is this, and for those of you who are visiting, the sermon summary is what the sermon is about. I like to give a brief sentence to highlight what we're going to talk about uh, so that this keeps me in line with today's uh, message. The sermon summary is this, praying is not praying if faith is not present. I want to read that again. Praying is not praying if faith is not present. When we pray, we must trust that God will deliver on his promises. There are two things within this passage that really uh, bring out how we are to pray, uh, the, the attitude that we are to have in prayer, and, and these two things are about God. You see, because as we find out who God is, and then we find out how to respond to that. The first thing that we learn in our passage is that he is the Lord and our faith should lie in him alone. That is so important when it comes to prayer. He is the Lord and our faith should lie in him alone. I remember as a child, I would pray every night because that's what I was taught. I would recite three prayers. The first prayer was the Lord's Prayer and that was directed at God. The second prayer was Hail Mary, and that was directed at the mother of Jesus. And the third prayer was a, a prayer to my guardian angel for protection. That's what I was taught in Catholicism. 
And as I, as I stand here and I look back in my life, and, and knowing what I know now about theology, about God, I can, I can surely testify that one of those prayers was biblical, the other two were heretical. And even though one of them was biblical, the way I prayed it was heretical. Because I was just reciting it and nothing else. You see, the Bible is clear, and the reason why I say the last two were heretical is because the Bible is clear that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in 1 Timothy 2.5. And from that passage and others, we understand that, the pray, that as we, if we pray to anyone else other than God, it is idol worship, and it is a great sin. But furthermore, as we sit here, a lot of us are Baptists, we, we don't pray to other people other than Christ, but this is what we do do. This is what we do. We depend on, if we depend on anyone else other than God for what only God can provide, that is a failure to trust him. That is what we do. Because we pray and then we worry after we pray. Because if the right person doesn't come along, we worry how things are going to come together. If the right circumstance doesn't come around, then we wonder how, anything, how everything's going to fit together and how everything's going to work out. So for us to depend on anyone else other than God, for what only God can provide, again, it is a failure to trust him and it is a failure to exercise obedient faith. Because God wants us to pray to him to him alone, because he is the Lord alone. He is the only one who hears us, and he is the only one who answers our prayers, but then he wants us to trust him alone as well. You see, as we talk about that, there is one thing that God makes clear in our passage today. And that is, he tells Moses to tell the people that he is the Lord. That's how he starts off. God spoke to Moses, it says in verse 2, and said to him, I am the Lord. That's where we start, right there. That's where we should start as his people. We should recognize that he is the Lord alone. As we contemplate what that means, then we begin to understand that he is the only one to whom everything is owed. Our faith, our devotion, our worship, and our trust is owed to him alone. But that's not what we do. In fact, there are other things that come in our life where we place these things. And when we place these things, when we place our faith, devotion, worship, and trust into other things, then we sin against God. God makes it very clear in our passage, verses 2 through 5. It's awesome. He starts off and tells Moses, I am the Lord. And then he reminds Moses of why he is the Lord and what he has done. He says, I am the one who chose you. He also tells Moses he is the one who initiated the covenant with them, the Israelites. He tells Moses he is the one on whom the covenant depends on. And he tells Moses that he is the one 
who hears their prayers and he is the one who alone will rescue them. A wonderful passage, wonderful reminder to Moses. And Moses at this time, as we're reading this passage, he and the Israelites need to hear this because right now they're in a bad place. They've gone to Pharaoh. They said, God said, let our people go. And Pharaoh says, oh, no, I'm not going to let you go. In fact, I'm going to make things harder on you. Then we see the response in chapter 5, verse 22. Moses, after the people complain to him, he goes and complains to the Lord. He says, why have you done this evil thing to these people? Things haven't gotten better. In fact, they've gotten worse. God says, hold on. I am the Lord. I am the one who chose you. I am the one who initiated the covenant with you. I am the one who this covenant depends on. I am the one who hears your prayers. And I am the one who can rescue you and who will rescue you. As God says those words to Moses, I want those words to go into our ears and for us to understand that that is the same for us. Then in verses 6 through 8, we we need to notice all the I will statements made by the Lord. The Lord tells Moses, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Then he says, I will deliver you from slavery to them. Then he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Then he says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. Then he says, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And then he says, I will give it to you for a possession. Notice, did not say we are me and somebody else. It all pointed back to him. I will do this. And he also didn't tell Moses, you will do this. We must recognize that Moses, Aaron, their vessels in which God was using, God was the power behind that. So God points everything back to himself and he says, I will do all these things for you. So when we look at verses two through eight, as a whole, we can see clearly that it is the Lord, it is the Lord who creates, it is the Lord who sustains, and it is the Lord who brings all things to completion. It is, it is him, him alone. I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear those words, it brings me great confidence. It helps me in my faith because I serve a God who is capable of doing all things. I serve a God who is sovereign, who is in control. I serve a God who no one can defeat. And I serve a God that loves me. Despite of my sin. It's awesome. You see, and as believers, we need to remember that when we pray, the answers to our prayers, that they do not ultimately depend on other people. And... They do not depend on chance, but rather they depend on the Lord and him alone. So when we pray, let me make it personal. When you pray, when you pray, pray in such a way that you know your heavenly father, first of all, that he hears you and that he will answer you according to his perfect will. I can't tell you that 
whatever it is that you've been praying for will, will turn out just the way you want it. But I can tell you that it will turn out perfectly according to his will. Also, when we pray, pray in such a way that you know the answer to your prayer will be worked out by God for good. That is very, very true. Again, it may not be what you're thinking about, but think about what you've prayed for before and it hadn't come true. It always works out for good according to God's will. It works out for the good of his kingdom and ultimately it works out for your good as well because you are sanctified through it. You grow through whatever it is that you were praying through. And then also pray in such a way that you know that the Lord is greater than any problem you could ever have. As I said last week, whatever storm you face, you must understand that that storm has a bit in its mouth. It is being directed by someone who is greater. Don't be like the Egyptians where they stopped and they made Pharaoh their idol because they thought he was so powerful, more powerful than God. God showed them how powerful he was as compared to Pharaoh. Believe me, there is no one greater than the God that you serve. So once we have that established that our faith and our obedience and everything is, 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 should be directed to God in our prayer life, here's the second thing. We must remember that he is the Lord and our faith in him shall never be shaken because he is faithful. He is faithful. We should always believe that he knows what's best for us and that he is doing something about our situation. And this is so important because this is where faith steps in. Faith just believes that because of who God is. Faith believes that even though we cannot see it for ourselves. Faith believes that even though you don't feel it. We're a type of people we like to feel things out. We even say that in our conversation. Someone comes in the room, we don't trust them. It's like, oh, I'm going to trust my gut. I don't feel like I need to trust them. I don't feel like I need to do this. I don't feel like I need to go to church today. I don't feel like I want to go to work today. All these different things, right? We feel our way through life. When it comes to God, it's about faith. We must have faith in him. He has proven to us who he is already. Because if you look back at your life, you have to understand that you are here because of the Lord. And how much he has helped you in your trouble. He has shown up every single time, even when others didn't show up. Even when others failed you, the Lord has been present. But we are, we have short-term memory. Because we forget about the Lord's presence and how he has been faithful whenever we face a big problem. All of a sudden we see the problem and it's like Pharaoh to us. And we're wondering how are we going to, how are we going to get around this? How are we going to get through this? And we forget that we have a helper and he's always been present. So we must remember that he is the Lord and our faith in him shall never be shaken because he is completely faithful. 
If we're careful to see, um, look at verse 2, chapter 6, verse 2. Verse 2 traces God's promises to the Israelites way back to the person who God made the promise to, and that was Abraham. And this took place before any of these people were born. God does that for a reason. See, the purpose, uh, and that is the purpose for the reference of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob throughout the whole book. You see it several different times. Now, this serves as a great reminder, this served as a great reminder for them that he is faithful, that he hasn't forgotten, that he was the one who initiated this covenant that, that he had with them, and he will be faithful in fulfilling it. He tells them, as I said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, he is faithful in fulfilling his promises because he has promised on himself that he will be faithful. See, you and I, when we have to promise, we have to promise on someone greater, but not God. For there is no one greater than he, so he promises on himself. And since he has promised on himself, he cannot fail. He will not fail. He will fulfill his promises. We must remember that God is always faithful even when we experience long-suffering and something that we continually bring before God. We must remember that, and I know it's very hard to, but we must not let our temptations get the best of us. You see, the Lord said to the Israelites in verse 5, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Not that God forgot about the covenant, but he's telling Moses, hey, don't come complaining to me because I am faithful. I made a promise and I am going to keep it. You see, but for the Israelites, it, it, I like what the passage says about them groaning. I, I've been there before where your words aren't words anymore you're just groaning because you're just so tired of dealing with something and for the Israelites it has been a long groan and what I mean by that it's hundreds of years they suffered at the hands of the Egyptians and now they are people who are defeated they are being disobedient to God because in verse 9 we are told they're they have a broken spirit and because of their harsh slavery See, as we read this, this passage here, um, I think we can relate to them in this area. Because there are things that we have been groaning about to the Lord, and yet we continue to struggle with them. But we must remember this, that even in times of drought, we must remember that the Lord has promised rain. We can never forget that. It's so easy to celebrate when the rain comes, but it's in the drought where our faith grows and our trust in the Lord is solidified so that when the rain comes, we can enjoy it all the more. 
You see, as Christians, we are called to be persistent in our prayer life. We are to pray without ceasing. And that, that means we are to do that no matter what, even if things don't change. You see, if something doesn't change, we must continue to pray for it to change. And if, as we are praying for it to change and it continues not to change, we don't stop. We don't give in to it. We don't just deal with it. If whatever it is that in your life that hasn't changed, we, we, we continue to press on and we pray for the Lord to change us that we may bear with it. So either we, we're praying for your circumstance, we're praying for the circumstance to change. If that doesn't change, then we're praying for the Lord to change us to be able to deal with it. We're praying for the Lord to strengthen us, to help us, to learn from this. And to trust him as the Lord of our lives. The Bible says in Matthew 7, chapter, or chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Our Lord requires persistence from us in our prayer life. As we continue to struggle with things, we continue to pray to the Lord. We continue to depend on him. And we grow. We grow, we learn, we move on. And we continue our work in the Lord. You see, the Israelites here, they remind us that we shall never lose faith in the one who always is faithful. They're the, the negative example of that here in this case. I read verse 9 and it, it's really disheartening. It's really sad. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. That's a sad verse. It's sad because as I look at that, I can put myself in that verse and say, yeah, I've been there. I've been disobedient to God because of a broken spirit. I pray that, that is, if that is you today, pray that instead of letting your issue, your struggle be your God, instead of placing your faith on man or chance, that you look up to the Lord and you say, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for always being here for me and help me to trust in you no matter what I am facing. Even though I cannot see the end, I must trust in you that it will work out for good and for your glory. We must pray without ceasing, but we also need to remember this that we must never cease to have faith as we pray. Because if we are just coming to the Lord and we're just reciting the same thing over and over and over again, and we're just going through the motions, as I said before in the sermon summary, it is not prayer. Prayer cannot be present if there is no faith present. 
We must believe that we are praying to the one who hears us. We are praying to the one who can answer us. We are praying to the one who is faithful to us no matter what. And we must trust that things will work out. It's easily said, but it's hard to do. That's what we're called to. The Christian life, it ain't easy. Yesterday I was working pretty hard all day outside, and before we actually got started, I, you know, we, we have a lot of um, we have a lot of trees and shrubs that need to be cleared off the land that we have, and it, it, it's only it's an acre and a quarter, but it's never been lived on. Pretty rough, and there's a lot of thorns and rose hedge. Some of the rose hedge that are there they're wrapped around the oak trees, really, really bad. And it, it takes a while to cut them out, pull them off. Well, some of these rose uh, hedges, they're just in, they're just just mixed in with the oak trees. They're they're wrapped around the branches, and even after you cut them, you sit there and you're trying to pull on them. It feels like you're going to pull the whole tree down, right? And you're pulling, you're pulling, and of course it's an oak tree, so it's not going to come down, even though if it's a younger tree. Where there's these a group of trees right outside our backyard. And months ago, eight months ago, when I started to try to clear the land, I cut this rose hedge out and I was trying to pull. I could not, but it would not budge. I could not pull it off. And I just left it there. I said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to have to figure out something in, in the future. So eight months down the road, you know, every time I'd go out there to clear land, I'd look at those and I'd go by and I'd pull, pull, pull. I wouldn't be able to do it. And I started noticing that as, as, as the months went on, that the tree started to uh, kind of take a different shape because of the rose hedge, how much it was pulling and the tension it had. And just yesterday, I was like, you know, those should be dry by now. And as I went over there and I started pulling on them, and then when I, when I pulled, it wasn't like it was before. This time when I went and pulled, it, it gave a little. And I got excited, and I was like, yes, it's going to come out. So I, I, I pulled again and it didn't budge, right? And then I pulled again, and still, it wasn't budging. So then I, I prepared myself, you know, did my stretches, because I'm not so young anymore, and I don't want to pull anything when I'm pulling. So I, I got down really hard and deep, and I, I pulled, and I pulled, and I pulled. And, and as I was pulling, I was giving it everything I had. I'm glad, that, I'm glad it didn't just completely come loose, because I would have hit the ground, and I would have rolled a couple of times. But as I finally pulled... It, it came loose, and I was able to pull that rose hedge from that branch, and as soon as I did, the oak tree kind of went like this, and then it stayed still, and there was this huge, massive rose hedge sitting on the ground that, that was pulled from it. I, I thought about that all day. It's, it's, it's funny how the Lord works, because I thought about that all day in the light of the passage that I was going to preach on today, and I thought how great of a lesson that was to me about prayer. You see, because eight months ago, when I initially cut that rose hedge, I said, I can't get it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going to ignore it. When I have help, maybe then, then we'll, we'll get it. Or if I get a ladder, I can get up there and I'm going to have to get a chainsaw. That's how thick it was. Cut it piece by piece and pull it out. And, and throughout these eight months, I've gone over there to those same trees and I've tried to pull on it and nothing, nothing, nothing. And then finally yesterday... Whenever pulled again, and it came out, and I thought, wow, you know, 
Our prayer life is like that in many ways. As we're, as we're going through long suffering, as we are dealing with something, we continue to pray, but we, we cannot forget. We cannot forget that one day, that one day, that prayer will be answered. May not be here and now, may not even be in, our, in your own lifetime. But even if your prayer is not answered in your lifetime, and what I mean by lifetime, I mean this side of heaven. If it's healing that you're praying for, if it's the struggle that you're praying over, you have to, if it's anything, if it's a loss, uh, a hurt from a loss, if whatever it is, you have to remember that even if it doesn't happen in the years that you live on this side of heaven, if you are in Christ, it will surely happen when you leave this earth. That is the hope that we have. There's no greater hope because there is no one greater to have hope in. The Lord is an awesome God. He is the Lord and the Lord alone. And we need to remember that when we pray. Let us pray.